The reason entrepreneurs succeed is because we're dissatisfied. But then if you're never satisfied, how do you ever even enjoy life? I run AppSumo.com, which is a software deal site, does almost 100 million a year. We spent a half a million dollars a month on ads. In one day, we had a quarter million email signups. It's been over $10 million in revenue. You don't need as much money as you think to live a dope life. This is the thing that people miss out about being a millionaire. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of the Action Academy podcast. How about that intro, huh? How about that intro? You know what is even cooler than that audio intro that you just heard? Seeing it in crystal clear, high definition, 1080p, 4K on YouTube, baby, because this interview along with Dan Martell were both done in person. Over here in beautiful Austin, Texas, I did today's interview with a professional podcast studio. It was a really, really cool experience, and we are going super, super deep with the quality of our videos and our new YouTube channel. So my one favor to ask today is if you guys love this audio version of the interview, please go and check out the YouTube version in the show description at Brian Lubin on YouTube, brand new channel, as well as Action Academy podcast. We have both channels, and it's going to be airing on both of them. Now for today's guest, none other than Noah Kagan. Noah is the author of the New York Times bestselling, Wall Street Journal bestselling, brand new book, Million Dollar Weekend, The Surprisingly Simple Way to Launch a Seven-Figure Business in 48 Hours. And how would Noah know how to do that? Because he's done it seven times. He has launched seven seven-plus-figure businesses within 48 hours. And I'll read you his bio. After graduating from UC Berkeley, Noah became employee number 30 at Facebook, working directly under Mark Zuckerberg, where he invented status updates, developed the Facebook ads platform, and worked in the very first version of Facebook's mobile app since 2010. Noah has been chief sumo of Sumo Group, also known as AppSumo, his company that does over $80 million a year in revenue. Noah's also big on YouTube, and you guys have probably seen him on there with over a million subscribers, so he's blown up everywhere, and I was lucky enough to have him sit down with me in person here in Austin, Texas. If you guys are enjoying the show, please support us on the YouTube channel, and if you want to show some love here, uh, leave us a five-star rating and review for the Action Academy podcast. Now, without any further ado, let's get to it. Noah Kagan, what's up, buddy? How are you? Is this on? It is. <laughs> Dude, I had, a, I had such a session this morning. I'm excellent. Because I woke up, I got kicked off the New York Times list. I didn't get kicked off. I didn't win it. And so I was having the sauna session with my buddy, Billy. And we're just talking about the ego this mm-hmm. morning and the ego of things we want, things we think we want, things we want others to see how we look. And then sometimes eventually you come back inside. And I just had a really nice moment of trying to recognize, like, how do I feel good just for myself outside of all of the external money, validation, subs, whatever it is that's happening. So I'm, I'm feeling crisp. How are you? Crisp. Dude, I'm coming off of a season where I just did a bunch of hard shit myself and then you stop doing hard shit because you're like, I accomplished it. Mm. And then you go to another season of trying to do hard shit again. And it's like this feedback loop. It's like this goal cycle. And that's why I want to talk to you about, especially today. And that's why I want to kick off this interview because Mm. you are the author of Million Dollar Weekend. uh, Awesome book right there, placement. And Dude, you just finished your book launch, so we appreciate you being here with us. Thank uh, you for having me. Now that you're now we got you post book <laughs> launch, and yeah. so walk us through the launch, man. The wins, the losses, the lessons. How'd it go? It's it was interesting. It was so interesting. And you told me before we started, they have two audiences. You got the guys at the day job, which I've been a part of. I was at Intel, mm-hmm. and then people running businesses, which I run AppSumo.com, which is. A software deal site does almost 100 million a year, which is insane. Mm -hmm. And I think there's 
both people can do it. That person can leave the day job and start the business and live a great life. And for me, the book experience was my own hero's journey that everyone can do. And I think someone said this to me two days ago. They're like, Noah, you're the common man entrepreneur. <laughs> and I was like, that was like the nicest thing you could ever say to me. I show others that it's possible. Yeah. There's not some crazy guru person with a crazy funnel that you need a copy that you have to figure it out. No, where you are and where you want to be is close. Mm-hmm. And it's possible. You'd have to start today, but it's possible. And now the book for me was a culmination of the book itself. And for, for me and all the business, I started just, what are problems I have? And I never had a business book I could tell someone, like, if you want to start a business today, read. There's never one. Yeah. And I've read a lot. I read, I'm a tremendous reader. And so I felt after starting a lot of businesses, after working at Facebook, after being at Mint, after helping tens of thousands of people, felt like I can maybe do this. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in businesses, the best marketing is a great product. And so I spent four years on my own hero's journey of feeling like an imposter, feeling like I can't actually help anyone to finally come in full circle, having someone live at my house, read the book. He lived at my house for 48 hours for a weekend, see him get success and now sharing it with the world. The launch itself for everyone that's got a business is that, and this is a, a mindset thing I always think about is that finish your last lap strong. I see this so many, so often in business. And what I mean by that is I spent four years putting this book together. And this is very common in business is that they get to that last time where now I have to promote it. And I'm just like, I'm tired. And that's the part that matters the most. Out of anything. That's the thing. And my mom always said, you're going to forget how hard you ran when it's over. So push hard at the end. Mm-hmm. And I think for me as well, there's been so many different learnings and takeaways from the book but in that we can do hard things, all of us. We can accomplish great things and find something that you're excited to talk about. You asked me, aren't you tired of talking about it? Are you a little burnt out from the launch? No. I'm stoked. I'm like seeing people read it. I'm excited. People are like, hey, I just I literally this guy, Bob, just messaged me. He's like, two years I've been talking about a website. Two years I've been reading productivity books, reading business books. I'm watching the guys on YouTube. In the last 48 hours, I got seven customers. Mm. And I followed the million dollar weekend process. And I was like, awesome. And in terms of the launch itself, what you want in business is that you want your ideal customer to say, I see you everywhere. That's when you've done good marketing. And when you have a product where I validated it, which is like literally 15 years ago, I put an article, went viral mm-hmm. on Tim Ferriss's site. Then I did a course called Monthly 1K. 10,000 people went through that. Then I've done my own businesses, AppSumo, TidyCal. I was like, this product hits. So then I spent, give or take, about a year working on my launch, which just coincided two weeks ago with number 16 on all of Amazon books, number eight on New York Times. And it was amazing. I think what's fascinating for me and for everyone else out there, maybe one of the final threads and we can can pick, pick apart different things. I liked the work more than I liked the outcome. Oh, I want to hit on that. I liked the work more than I liked the outcome. And I think this is true for a lot of people out there that have a day job or they have a business and they're like, if it only. And I was telling myself, and it, it, frankly, the reality now post of it is just like all of the things that I was doing just to work on the book was really the fun part. And now that I'm seeing like my ranking go down or I didn't get the New York Times list or I wake up in the morning and it's literally like I'm a drug addict looking like, did anyone message me about my book? And it's now my validation, all my worth is externalized. But before the book ever came out, it was all internalized. It was like, hey, I helped a person today. Hey, I like reached out and saw if I could come on a show today. And it's just reminding myself of coming back into the internal validation mode. And it doesn't mean we can't be proud of our things, but just being, focusing on our inputs 
Like how many emails did I do? How many calls did I do? Did I do writing today? Did I do social media today? And less on, okay, here's this output metric only that I'm gonna have to measure my self-worth by. Do you have a framework for celebration after accomplishing something like that? That's something that I'm working on right now because what happens is, like we talked about, you have this goal loop. And then whenever you're like used to being a high performer, you just become addicted to it. You really do. And it's just, it's almost a dangerous place to be because it's you spend all year or four years to your point doing the thing. And then you finally accomplish it and you summit that mountain. And then you're up there, you take the Instagram picture. And then you're like, okay, cool. Now what? If you're saying the line, what's next? That's the problem. I'm guilty. Yeah. Guilty is trying to put me in jail. Me and you. Yeah. You jail buddies. That sounds weird. Uh, so I, I think what your comment is, is like, I don't know if you have to have a framework. Is there a remedy? For celebrating. I think you just have to celebrate. So last year at AppSumo, I think we had like a three or four million dollar day, which was our best day ever in the history of the company. 15 years at AppSumo, best day ever for software deals. And I go to the team and I go to my advisor, Eamon, and my my the CTO, my business partner, Chad. And I was like, they're like, how you feeling? I was like, eh, fine. But a few months ago when we had a bad day, I was like, this is bad and this is bad. And Eamon sat me down. He's like, look, if you're going to feel the emotion on the bad, you got to feel the emotion on the good. And not mm. enough of us are really celebrating the wins. And it's not celebrating the New York Times because I can't control if these people in New York decide to put me on a list. But I celebrated the win myself when it launched saying I did everything in my power. I'd left nothing on the table. I don't know what that really means. I took everything off the table. I let, put it all in on the marketing of the book. So that I never was going to second guess myself, did I do enough? And that was me feeling proud in terms of celebrating, just celebrate. And I think people don't realize there's a lot more to celebrate than in their own lives and then they realize. Yeah. So like for me, I, I celebrated with a book launch birthday. Yeah, with so a, a lot pinata. Of people, <laughs> yeah, so we had like a pinata, we had tacos, we had like seltzers, we had uh, reading, not in reading, we had different friends just talk about what's going on with them. It was just a party. And I don't think people are partying or celebrating enough when these things happen that are in their control. Because I think if you, I saw some people recently that are like, if I'm a billionaire, I want to be, why? You could be, I'm a multimillionaire and it's way more than enough mm -hmm. to be happy. Yeah. You could even be happy with a hundred thousand. You could live a millionaire lifestyle. And this chase for always having enough is just never going to make these people satisfied. Ugh. Ever, ever. And you have to acknowledge that things are already as great as they are. Not as great. You have to acknowledge things are already great. Could it be better? Yeah. And that's okay. But I think what you're saying, and you're doing a great job of it is, hey, maybe I'm not celebrating my wins enough. Just even that acknowledgement is great. But yeah, it's, it's being present in the moment. Because <clears throat> for context, we just did this huge event. It's the biggest event that we've thrown so far. And we had 70 people fly out to Cabo. We got these like awesome mansions and everything. We spent seven months planning this thing. And there was so much logistics, so much the biggest event we've thrown so far. And it was while I was there, we did all this work to get there, and I was so excited leading up to it. And as we're there, I'm sitting in the mansion. It's like a five-star resort view over all of Cabo. Okay. All I can think about is the next event. Hmm. And I was just like, that's a problem. It's not a problem, so you don't have to label it as a bad thing, but let's just revisit it. So let's go back to that moment. What else could you be thinking? This is awesome that I can sit and actually enjoy this. <laughs> but it's the same thing with launching a book, with Hold building on, a business. Stay with that. Here, don't change it yet. Just stay with that for a second. Noah, no, this is your interview. <laughs> <laughs> but this is all part of the human experience is right. that high achievers want to achieve, but they never enjoy the achievements. And the reason entrepreneurs succeed is because we're dissatisfied. But then if you're never satisfied, how do you ever even enjoy life? And that's why I got the fuck out of Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Make How many employees do you have? I don't care. 
how many, what's your next fun run? Don't care. Changing the world. How about change one person? Change yourself. Help one other person. That's enough. And so I get, let's come back to you. You're at the house. Just visualize it. You can, this is the thing I think I won't realize. Everything in life is a practice. Uh-huh. So what, when this morning I woke up at 6 a.m. to check my Twitter and Instagram and see if people like me. And then I said, hey, this is that drug addiction you're going through that you need, to, you need them to feel worthy of yourself. I didn't guilt myself. I said, oh, okay, this is my practice. Guess what? I got another chance tomorrow. That's what the book's called Weekend, Million Dollar. You get 52 chances. So let's practice again. So you go back, you're in the house. Yes, by the way, it's fine. We have natural thoughts. Dude, when's my next one? Great. All right, what's, the other, what's another thought you can have? Yeah. No, no I got, let's just try it out for a second. I got coached on this before. It was a really cool phrase that my coach told me where he said, you can't control the first thought, but you, keep, but you can control the second. Can't control the first, but you can't control the second. And the, and the second thought is, does the first thought serve me? <laughs> <laughs> no, but your second thought is, hey, I, even as you asked me the question, most times we ask the question because we have that answer in ourselves, which is, right. how do you want to be celebrating more? Yeah. No, it, I'm asking you. Yeah. So for me, I think it's just... I'm so addicted to, yeah, it's like you need to enjoy the climb and then you start enjoying the climb, but then you become addicted to the climb to where whenever you're still and you're not climbing, you feel anxious. And so that's something that I'm working on right now. And I think a lot of people listening are going through as well, because in the beginning, you've got like the person that takes no action, right? They don't have the action muscle that you talk about in the book. Then you have person two, they're like, dude, I love taking action. And they're just like a freaking shotgun shell exploding of entrepreneurship. They're like, I'm going to do this. And they're busy as hell. But they're not actually like living. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm being guilty of both sides. It's just a it's a practice I'm going through right now. And so how did you celebrate that event for yourself? I had to have people around me that were at the event with me say, put a hand on my shoulder and say, Hey, take a breath. You're here. Be here. There's other people. So I don't want to put it all on the external because this is an internal thing. Yeah. But it was good to have. It is dude, we're humans. We're not alone. But I, I guess what I'd wonder, and this is something I'm, I'm working on a lot, and this is what the book is about. It's really about confidence mm-hmm. in ourselves and finding who we can become. And it's not some far distant thing. So I think I wonder for you, how do you start giving that to yourself? How do you put your hand on your own shoulder? So at the event, you're like, dude, I did a great job. This book launch, when it launched, I didn't need anyone tell me the book launch was great. I knew it was great. Just for me. Because you did everything that you could. I did what I you could. You left nothing on the table. And I did the <laughs> thing I wanted to do. Oh. And I said, hey, I'm really proud of you, Noah. Which is a weird thing. I'm normally like the first, I'm, and this is true for everyone. We're all our worst friends. <laughs> the worst friend you have is yourself most of the time. And so it's a practice of positive self-talk. Mm-hmm. How do you, and people are horrible at this. It's unbelievable, especially if you're a high achiever, because you're like, that's guilty, that's wrong, this is bad, this could be better. So I think as you, my only suggestion would be as you're doing more things, just even practice it throughout your day. Like, hey man, I, I, I did that interview. No, I'm proud of my interview with Noah. I prepared, had a, his book already laid out. We got green lights going on. We got neon in here. Neon, baby. Neon. Neon, baby. John Mayer. And so just start even doing it maybe on small ways. So as you get to some of these other ways, doesn't mean you're going to be complacent, but you're going to be des- the enjoying the journey as you get to these different destinations way more. I was horrible in my 20s. I was like, oh, you suck here. You're not worthy here. Why did this not work? You're the fucking worst here. And then eventually it started working, but I was still riding myself so hard. Ugh. And I, I regret it. I regret it. It's like, it doesn't mean I would have been soft, like knock on hard, but I could have just been like, hey, you tried that. Okay, cool. And it would build my confidence a lot better. Mm-hmm. So you talk about something where you texted thousands of people, thank you for doing the book. And that's not scalable, right? And then Paul Graham has that famous quote where do things that don't scale. 
And then that's what you do in business. Because all we hear is delegate this, delegate that, outsource this to your assistant. And I did the same thing where I was forcing myself to reach out to 5,000 people and send those text messages, send those messages myself. And you're demented too. <laughs> so I'm walk, demented. Yeah. So walk through your decision on doing that. And then why that's important, because you talked about it in a recent podcast and you glanced over it, but I thought it was really important. And that's something that people will be very fast to when they're launching a business, when they're doing the book launch, they're going to have their VA DM everyone off of their account, or they're going to send a mass email. Um, Talk about the importance of doing things that don't scale. What is business? What is business? <laughs> business is literally, think about the concept. What chocolates did you eat before coming in here? Dude? My girlfriend was eating some milk chocolate, but she didn't share, which is fine. Business, if you really think about it, and this is a mindset shift that will help everyone. Business is helping other people. That's it. And you subsequently can make some money and help yourself. But if you start thinking, hey, this is actually a business. Like maybe I'm going to a coffee store and I want to help them with their menu, or I want to sell someone my new muffins, or I want to sell someone my book or my service. I might, maybe I'm actually helping them. And it's not such this thing where I'm like, transacting in fear and I'm taking, maybe it's actually beneficial if you think you're helping another person. A lot of times when I talk about this, I think people, they glance over it because they're, it's small ball. Mm-hmm. They're like, dude, don't teach me small ball. It's AppSumo. We have a 20 person marketing team. We spend a half a million dollars a month on ads. And they're like, okay, what's your ad strategy? It's very complicated. We have two full-time dedicated data people. We spend a million dollars a year just on data, just for around our ad stuff. Damn. So I do complicated stuff. Just to give people context, we do 80 plus million dollars a year. That was last year. Probably be around 90 to 100 this year. But it starts with one. My first AppSumo.com sale was 14 years ago for $12. And it's building a foundational, finding a product people actually want, not making it, but finding something people really want, making the first sale, making the second sale. Then you go three, four, five. Then you go four, five, six. Then you go seven, eight, nine. And, but people want to jump ahead to it. Because they think there's an easier way. And I'm telling them the easier way. So when I launched Million Dollar Weekend, I was very clear about what's a goal I give a shit about. I think people have these really messed up goals. I want to help a million people. I'm like, why not half a million? Why not 10? Why not even just one? Mm -hmm. And so what I recognized for the book was, could I put a book together that I'm proud of for myself? And then can I get a thousand people to leave a review on Amazon? And a goal should be something that is achievable within a time frame. And something you desire. Mm-hmm. Most people have these goals that are like, I want to be a billionaire. It's like, why? Because I want to change the world. Why? Because I want to feel good about myself. That's ultimately what we're all doing. Or, valid, or external validation. Yeah. And you could do it for a lot cheaper, <laughs> is yeah. what I'm telling everyone. And so with this book, for me, what was true, and we all know it's true. You don't need someone else telling you. We all know. I know. I was like, if I can get a thousand people to say they loved my book for themselves, and you to leave a review, you generally have to read it. You have to buy it. You have to read it. And you have to take maybe some action. And I thought a thousand, I was like, if I can do that, I'd be really proud of myself for this overall book. I can't control if I get on a list. I can't control a ranking, but I can control literally a spreadsheet of a thousand people. Dieter, Jen, Mm -hmm. Dean, Chris. And I went one by one and I'm still one by one texting or emailing these people. Myself. No VA. The VA's name is Noah Kagan and he looks just like me. You know that? (laughs) And... What people want to do in business is they want to skip ahead to some funnel or to some, I have an ad that goes to a landing page and that's fine, Mm -hmm. but there's an easy way. And the easy way is one by one. And then over time, you can start scaling that out to other things. It's also really rewarding. I was texting these people. There's a guy named Travis. He's, I read your book. I took action. I can't believe it. I've never done this before. And I'm like, awesome. And how good is that for all of us to receive? So in your own businesses, and I've seen this at Facebook, we got so obsessed with the numbers. 
all those numbers are humans. All those leads, I don't like the word lead gen. You mean human, customer, audience? Like that's what it actually is. And the more you can actually connect that you're helping another person, you can actually get them better results. And also you'll end up building a bigger business if that's, all, if that's your intent, but you'll build a bigger business because you're seeing people get results. You'll get more excited to sustain and tell more people to keep going with it. And I, I frankly like it. I like the one by one. And I think tons more businesses could be benefiting from that. Yeah, you were just on Tim Ferriss and he says something I really like where it's simple scales, fancy fails. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll give examples because people, people I think miss out on it. You can literally email every one of your subscribers one by one. You can reply to every one of your customers one by one. You can reply, and I still do this. Every DM, I reply myself. Every, not everyone, it's hard at this scale, but like my YouTube videos or on my social media posts, I try to reply to every single person. What a cool experience for both of us. And I think a lot of times people are like, well, I want to, the dream people want to do is I want to build something, throw it on Twitter, and then I'm rich tomorrow. Yeah. And it's, you're never going to feel. Virality. Yeah. You're never going to feel satisfied, even though, yes, maybe you need the money and that's fine, but you won't actually feel good about yourself. This, the one by one approach, which is one of many things a million dollar weekend is what helps people feel good about themselves. And it gets you the actual result, which is helping a person and making a sale and growing a business. I love Million Dollar Weekend because it is a model that absolutely works. So recently, like something that we've been talking about a lot in the show, which is you don't make models, you take models. So it's just take somebody else's models. So it's have, so what are you trying to do? Has somebody else, I made this like a little emotional flow chart. So should I be stressed or worried about this thing? And then down it says, has somebody done this business idea before? And it says, yes, cool, take their model. And it says, no, cool, <laughs> use a different business strategy. Yes, Because if you're doing business or if you're doing real estate, thousands of people have done this before. Simply take their model. And your model is what I used two years ago in my business. Like step-by-step step, what you said is literally like what I did for my first seven-figure thing in my million-dollar weekend. Now I'm working on my second. So you've had eight, right? You've, yeah. yeah. So it's just step by step, starting with the problem, validating that, like building your market, validating the market, validating the problem one by one. Okay, get your first dollar. Now you scale, you build, then you scale. And it's awesome. Thanks. And you have something that you talk about in the book, the ask muscle. Hmm. And so I have a very specific context that I want to talk to you about. And sure. you may understand this. So I come from a background of sales. So I'm not afraid from a business context to ask for what I want. Even this interview, I think this interview, I think was like a year in the making because me and you always just had different stuff to do. But from that perspective, I'm fine with asking. I'm fine with rejection. But when it came time for me to text peers and friends to ask them to promote my book that they would happily do, it was like driving nails through my freaking eyelids. Yeah. Because I felt like I was being a burden. Mm. And my aunt was actually the one that got me through this. She had a really cool quote. And I want to let you riff on this to see if you went through this yourself. But my, I felt like I was being a burden because all I do is give to people. Like you make that, you provide value, you give content, you do all this stuff and you help people. But then when it comes time for you to make the ask, I was just like, oh no, this is different than business. These are my people. But my aunt said, okay, if you don't ask, you're directly denying others their joy of giving. And I said, damn, Jane. <laughs> I'm going to send some more DMs. And that's literally what kept me sending my last thousand DMs for the book launch, asking for those reviews, asking for that different stuff. I'm curious if you ran into that or if you've had any advice that you can give on building and development of the ask muscle that you talk about in the book. Yeah, it's one. Congratulations. I want to congratulate the 5,000 sales of your book is more than almost everyone. Which is, and I feel 
More than the, and I want to say this publicly. I feel like it was awful. <laughs> I was going to shout it out from <laughs> passive to passion, passive to passionate. Yeah. Uh, most people just never make the first sale. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to text. I will individually text for these 5,000. Yeah. Everyone has 150 contacts in their phone. If you go on your phone right now and you yeah. go on your contacts, you can see the count mm-hmm. and everyone has at least 150 and those 150 have someone else that could be your, also your customer. Huh. And the biggest thing with asking that, that people don't recognize there's, there's two things that people are so shocked about. Number one, it's a skill that's learnable. Business is the only thing you don't have to be tall in to succeed. <laughs> it's the only thing. Like every yeah. other sport, you have to be born something. Yeah. Every other sport. With business, though, they're all skills that you can become fluent in, just like a language. Like I took a Spanish class this morning. There's business classes. And you don't have to go to Harvard. There's like your book, my book, where you can become fluent in making money. Mm-hmm. And asking is the same thing as learning a language. That the more you practice it, the better you get at it. So that's one thing people don't recognize is that it's a skill that you develop. It's not that me and Brian are expert askers. We've just done it a lot. A lot. Now, the other thing that people don't ever recognize in asking is it is the basis of our civilization. Deep. Think about that. I know it's deep, but it's also when you start reflecting on it. Do you have a wife or girlfriend? Or No. Not no, yet. Not the moment. Yet. Not yet. I not will. Yet. Positivity. And I'm going to hit on that with you here in a second. Okay, we'll talk about optimism. I think optimism is it's infectious, but it's also available worldwide. Now, asking is everything. So I had to ask my girlfriend for a date. You have to ask someone to be your wife. You have to ask for a raise. You have to ask, let's say you're a business offer, for someone to work with you. You have to ask someone to be your customer. You have to ask someone for a review. Everything is an ask. And the more that you start realizing, huh, let me practice this and maybe I'll get a rejection. And rejection to me is always a test if you want something. But it's also rejection, maybe a lot of the times it's not rejecting you, it's rejecting the actual thing. It's not personal at all. It's not, they just don't want it. Never was. And that's okay. And then you start doing it over and over again you start realizing like, holy shit. And in the book, I teach the coffee challenge, which is getting rejected, asking for a discount at Starbucks. You ask for 10% off and you're supposed to get rejected, realizing, and everyone goes and does this, changes their life, changes their life because you can repeat it over and over. You can do it unlimited times. And the other part of that, you realize it's never as scary as you think and you could do a lot more. And confidence is built through courage and courage is built through action. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing it's not something like I've done YouTube videos now where I've stood outside an airport. I've stood outside a yacht, uh, a marina in Miami. I've stood outside. I've gone to people's houses and, it, and I've gone on the streets. It's uncomfortable every time. It doesn't get easier. You just get better and you keep asking and asking. And now I'm seeing people. There's guy, Ben, who I, I told you about earlier. To, literally this morning, he's like, yeah, I sent an email to my friends about, I think it's a web design service he's trying to do or some type of business. I didn't even read that part. And he's like, I got seven sales just because I asked. He's like, I don't have a website. I don't have a domain. I don't even, not that active on social media. You can get big wealth with small audiences. And I think people Ugh. don't realize it's all comes down to the ask. Like another great example, her name is Mackenzie. She lives here in Austin. She has a day job, like a lot of your audience. And she wanted to get the hell out of her day job. She didn't want to wonder what if. She didn't want to wonder if her life, if she never took the chance on herself, which everyone can do. And so she just sent an email to her friends and family and asked if they want to buy greeting cards. Turns out she sold $50,000 of them in one year just by one light ass that started it all. Dude, I want to hit on this real quick because this is so important. Everyone gets this ass backwards, <laughs> which is the importance of asking people, if, since we're speaking about asking, the importance of asking people what the hell they want. 
Because how many people do you know, because I can name hundreds, that have toiled for months and years building this business, building this startup, building this service in secret and silence so that they can launch it, but they never even asked anybody if they wanted it. (laughs) So can you give some advice about anybody that may be in that situation and what the hell they should do instead? Because you talk about in the book about validating the problem and asking because there's there was a quote that you said something where it's like the most dangerous thing is not validating the actual problem itself. Yeah. No ask, no get. It's just hope at that point. Hopium. And here's the problem with most people. And if, if you're out there and you've been wanting to start a business and you're at zero dollars, try another way. But the reality, I've seen literally tens of thousands of people I've worked with and talked to, they're committed to their path. So my thing is go on your path. Keep going. And maybe try my way as well. If you're going and you haven't made your customers, you haven't made your dollars, how can you validate that people actually want things right away? Because I think when people see me, they're like, holy shit, your company's making this much money. You're making millions of dollars a year. You've done these things. You don't know all the things that did not work. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't know the 20 different businesses I've tried that no one ever wanted. And I've learned that you don't need to go and build all these things to find if the problem you're solving actually has significant demand. And I've seen it because people go out and they're like, hey, people have families, people have kids, people have day jobs, maybe they got their thing going. They don't have a lot of time. And so if you're spending a lot of time doing all the things that don't lead you to where you want to go, you need to fix it. And specifically what I've seen with Million Dollar Weekend is people are like, hey, I tried this business doing, I've seen food, I've seen health, I've seen e-commerce, I've seen SaaS, all of it, every business. Hey, I try to hit up some people in my network. I posted it on marketplaces. I sent some texts. I posted a WhatsApp group. No one wanted it. And I'm like, hell yes. That's a win. That's a great thing. You didn't spend six months and six years or $6,000 doing nothing. Okay, great. Ask them why not. Really? Yeah. How come they don't want it? And guess what? They'll tell you. And then maybe they'll tell you that you can solve it or they'll tell you another example. There's a woman I met recently, Kim. Kim has a flowers business in Canada. And she sent out a Black Friday email to her. She has a small email list. And she sent an email and no one bought her Black Friday deal. It was like end of the holidays, Black Friday. And I was like, all right, did you ask him why not? No. (laughs) I was like, okay, this was was about a month ago. I said, Kim, right now I need you to leave me. I need you to go away from me. I want you to send an email and I want you to call these people and say, hey, I'm just curious. I'd love to learn. This is the, that's the exact phrase I always use. Just curious, love to learn. How come you weren't interested in buying? And then she has, a, and then she gets on the phone or she emails them back and she's now making sales. And she's making sales from these people because now she's learning why they didn't buy. Maybe they don't want the payment plan because you had to pay all at once. Maybe they don't like the type of flowers. Maybe they don't like the boxes the flowers comes in. She starts just adjusting or understanding and then able to close those different customers by finding problems people want. There's a thing that people get backwards. You, you said about scale. Everyone knows this shit, but no one does it. Mm-hmm. Paul Graham quote, make something people want. So that's problematic because if you're making things, that means you're spending time doing stuff and you don't know if people actually want it. Find something people want, then go make it. And that's very easy to do. And I break it down in the book. You've, you've already read about it. Part of it is asking. Part of it is starting. Uh, and then there is a process to, to be able to get that going and get to a million dollar business or beyond. Yeah. I think we need to talk more about all these companies that started in all these apps and all these tech companies that started as one thing and completely pivoted to another thing. And so it's just so you talk about in the book, like the minimum viable product, which is huge. Like when you want the the version of your business that you launch is 
thousand percent not going to be the version of the business a year, two years, five years, ten years from now. Yeah. And as we ran into the same thing, we launched this online course. That was our like our first thing that we did. We have a mutual friend like Sam Parr. So Sam talked about when he was launching Hampton. I listened to him on his podcast. He launched this new business, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm doing all these intro calls." And I was just like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. So you're like, you're validating product market fit before you even do the thing. You say, hey, got this thing. Let's talk about for 15 minutes. I don't even have anything for you yet. I just want to ask you some questions. Exactly. And I did that. I did 100 free coaching calls, 15 minutes. And I did that. And then when we actually had an offer, I said, okay, I think that you guys want this based off of what you said. We sent one email out, made $100,000 in 48 hours. That was like the first offer that we did. But then here's what's really cool about it. It's exactly what you said. Afterwards, I was constantly asking them for feedback. And I said, okay, what do you love? What do you hate? What, do you, what, what should we change? This is too simple. Make it more complicated. I'm, I'm so sorry. And then we went and we called Noah Kagan and Bill Gates and then got them on the line. Afterwards, so we just were like, hey, what do you love about this? And they're like, oh, the course is great. But this Facebook group that you threw us in with all these people, these people are dope. What? Yeah, we don't really care about the course. But the people that we met are super cool. Exactly. And I was like, shit, completely wrong business. So we changed the business model. <laughs> and so it's just, and now that's become my entire business. But you'll never start learning unless you get started. Yeah. And unless you continuously ask. And then as you get started, you have to ask them if this is something they want. And if they don't, you can ask and learn again. And again, you keep iterating. And that's what led me to create AppSumo. It was like, started it, didn't work, asked, okay, I don't like this. I asked myself these things. And then as I got to AppSumo, I was like, huh, all these things led me to the place we're at AppSumo. I was like, software deals, this marketplace huh, maybe there's something now that's finally working after learning all along the way. But you're never going to get there unless you get started. Mm -hmm. Were there any significant pivots that you made with AppSumo that you can think of or remember? A tremendous amount of them. A lot of mistakes, frankly. But I started AppSumo as software bundles. Mm -hmm. So it used to be like you got 10 tools for one price. And so we noticed that people liked the software deals, but it was so much work to do a bundle. So we ran a spreadsheet. It's in the book called The One Minute Business Model. And that changed it to go to individual deals. And that 10 x our business to go wow. from bundles to individual deals. There's a lot of different inflection points, but by doing it each year, we learn, okay, this isn't working. How do we improve it? And I would say one of the biggest things in business, if you have something working, is how to just make it work better. I think I've definitely become team double down, which is like whatever's working in your business, just keep going with it. And a lot of our wins over the past few years, is not like a massive, like brand new thing. It's just like improving the thing that's already working. Can you think of any specific revenue marks where you're just like, Shit, shit, shit. And we need to pivot. We need to change. What were your friction points with your yeah. revenue? I can talk about that. I can also talk about things that were seven or eight figure revenue inflections sure. that, that changed the trajectory. Didn't you have one where it was like literally like from the back of a lady's like home magazine or something? So that was a 10 figure change in our business. That was giveaways. <laughs> so that was giveaways. Can you elaborate a little bit for yeah. people that aren't familiar? Um, so my suggestion for everyone out there is look outside your industry. For some reason, when people make YouTube videos or education companies or whatever type of business, you're like, you look at your competitor, but it's really hard to be inspired when you're just looking at a mirror. And so look outside the box, look outside the house. And so even for this, we had a book launch party, me and my girlfriend went and researched baby showers. And that's how God gave us inspiration for our book birthday. Mm -hmm. So we had a book birthday party. So I was looking at a women's magazine and I saw them give away a trip to Italy. And that inspired me to say, huh, what if we did a giveaway, but for our customers, which is software, and then make it for life? And that, that was in one day, we had a quarter million email signups and we've tracked it. It's been over $10 million in revenue and w- way beyond by now. I haven't looked at the numbers lately. No, what was the giveaway? Dropbox for life. So that crushed. 
let me look at some of the other things. The other, I would say, seven to eight figure changes in our business. I've been, I was curious about it myself. Our originals products. Okay. This also, if it's not relevant for your audience, we can also talk about other things. No, this is sick. They can listen. Pass our rating and review. Also for Noah's book. <laughs> if you haven't got Million Dollar Weekend and you want to change your life in 48 hours, I do recommend. AppSumo Originals. The idea there is that if you have a core business, let's say it's an education company, or let's say you have a real estate business, or let's say you have a restaurant. What's the one thing that always brings people in the door? What's your one thing? And our, my marketing advisor always talks, he calls it the marketing motion. What's the gateway candy? Because no one does drugs anymore, is that what's the gateway candy that brings them into your marketing motion that then starts getting them into your overall company ecosystem. And so for us, what we found is if we created low cost alternatives for popular products, so low cost alternative for MailChimp, we have SendFlex, low cost alternative for Calendly, we have TidyCal, low cost alternative to DocuSign, we're launching BreezeDoc next week. And those are our number one, I think it's about 40% of our new buyers come in from that. And so I think for people out there, it's like, what is your low cost thing that initiates your marketing motion. And that TidyCal and our originals products, I think last year does two and a half or $3 million. Mm-hmm. And actual, that's direct revenue. And that's not including all the LTV from what those customers come in and spend. So I think in all these businesses, like in your book, like maybe your book is your gateway candy into who Brian is and who all the different off- things that you offer. So I think that's a great one for people out there. Um, email marketing, I think is just like another crazy one. 50% of AppSumo, like 50% plus is from email, email marketing. marketing. And even in email marketing, like my new two hacks of email marketing, I'll give it people out there. One is like an ask thing, coming back to asking. So instead of, it's just so funny. When I was launching Million Dollar Weekend, I would email out to the audience, like here's four book covers. Please click which one you like. And then I would survey them. There would be a survey that'd be like, hey, what did you like about it? What's your name? What's your email? And they would do it. And the people who click that survey have now raised their hand to say they're interested in the book. And so then I would personally email those people. So I call it the survey to sale method. I personally emailed them and said, hey, thank you so much for voting on this book, this cover. I'd love for you to pre-order it. And if you pre-order, here's what you're going to get. Are you interested in doing that today? And it was out of those people, it was around an 80 to 90% close rate. Damn. Because they're already raising their hands that said, with permission, I'm interested in what's going on here. So that's an email marketing thing that's been a game changer. And the more recent one is I take my emails. If you read, subscribe at noakagan.com, I literally just copy and paste them on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I was just thinking, I was like, how stupid is that? Do you guys do email? Yeah. Do you guys well, we, post- we have a 10,000 email list. We're that's ju- great. We just started 10, 000, with all this. Dude, you're playing big ball, but you're talking small ball. Just say <laughs> you have a 10,000 person email list. <laughs> yeah. You like sold 5,000 books. Most people never write the book. Then they never sell one book. Yeah. So you're fucking 5,000% ahead of them. Fair. And that's the part of, that's the celebration. That is the thing. And the same with an email. 10,000 of 10,000 people who actually give a shit about you is way better than a hundred or a million who don't give two fucks. Mm-hmm. So what I'd recommend and what I've found is super interesting. I'll send an email, people read it. And then I literally copy and paste that same exact email the next day. And I post it on LinkedIn, Twitter. And it's like 20, 30, 40,000 people. And they're like, wow, this is so cool. I'm like, aren't you on my email list? Didn't you see it? No. No one cares about you is the reality and they're busy. So it is interesting that you can post these things again from your emails externally and get an extra juice out of them. So those have been two specific marketing things. Now, in terms of inflection points in the business, I think where most people struggle is the hiring component and then the market. Oh, there. Opp- yeah. And, and the market opportunity component. Mm-hmm. So they're like, how come I'm not growing? I'm like, because you're not in a market that is big enough for making more money. So then that's like the TAM, the total adjustable market. Exactly. And, and so you can think about it like, Hey, how many people are wanting to be in a Facebook group to meet other entrepreneurs? 
How many people want to actually build habits? So there's a reason Atomic Habits is this and entrepreneurship is this, right? There's a broader spectrum of people. And so over time, you have to be mindful of the opportunity size. Now, you, you said you're struggling with hiring or what are you guys struggling with? Yeah, so right now we're, we're in that hiring thing where it's just, okay, cool. Like now we've gotten to this point where it's just like organic demand. We've gotten to a certain point. Now it's, okay, cool. Now we need to build like systems and models and actually, because right now, like I'll be straight up with you, I'm pretty much self-employed, Dude, like, even yeah. though I have a team. <laughs> Pretty much self-employed. You're self which is great. That's the dream, isn't it? No, I want to be a business owner, not self-employed. Because well, self-employed means that if okay. I stop, so right now, if I don't post content, if I don't, if I don't fulfill, if I don't do the thing, if I'm not there, the business does not run. Therefore, and it is not a business. How, so that's not true. It's a business. Fair. It's a business. But yeah. you're like, you're a corporation of one. You're the head of all the departments. But I, I think the question there, again, I'm trying to help you. This is things that everyone does, by the way. It's not just you. I, I do it too. I take, we take ourselves down. Yeah, it's not a business. It's a business. And I used to not ask these questions to the podcast, but then I realized it's actually more beneficial to ask questions that I'm directly going through because it's either what other people are that 100%. are listening are going through or they're going to go through. hundred percent. Yeah. People want, you're the tastemaker. Yeah. Here's the th- here, this is the most so right now we're at the one we're at one million and we're like okay now how do we get up to the, the three to five but oh, hold on for one second so I guess what I, sorry was that rude what I just said to hold on no dude it's okay. your podcast well it's your podcast <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm just making sure I'm not rude this as a problem mm-hmm. what's held you back from making these decisions what do you mean in terms of hiring you're already saying hey I know hiring is important hey I want to do hiring. Hey, I like, I'm self-employed, but you haven't done it. Cost of employee. Okay, I don't, I'm not following that. So you said you did a million dollars. Correct. There's just you. Me, and then I've got like a CSM, like head of like customer success and everything. And that person makes like 50K, 40K? Well, I give her some sales too, so she makes six figures. Six figures, amazing. So you have 900, and the cost of the employee? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to understand. Yeah, because now I'm just like, okay, cool. Now I like, need a head of marketing. Now I need an executive assistant. And I need all these people. Do you need them? Right now I'm doing it. Do you like and it? No. What, I actually hate it. What part I, do you like and what part do you hate? All right, let's go through it. Damn it, Noah. This is your podcast. <laughs> Good God. I don't Come like the this. Noah Kagan Presents podcast. I don't like this. Uh, maybe four star review for a million dollar weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> just kidding. Slow, just kidding. Slow. But uh, no, I, I enjoy. I enjoy like steering the ship and marketing and sales, but recently what I've ran into, and this is actually a question I wanted to ask you as well, because you have a baby on the way. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. And it's just, I've been putting everything into the business, like everything, like their weekends, anything. And you've been there, like a lot of people that are listening have been there. And I just realized, I was like, all these other goals that I have, I want to learn Spanish. I want to date. I want to find somebody to date again and settle down and get married, have kids and all that stuff. I'm like... I don't have the space for it. I don't have the time for it right now because I'm just all I'm doing, like wearing all these different hats in the business. So I'm like, how do I hire these out and have somebody else do this and build systems and models around this instead of me just running around my freaking hair on fire 24 seven so that I can actually have a freaking life again. Yeah. And there's, that's going to be my question to you is there's a lot of business momentum and I call it compounded business. Uh There's a lot of things where as you get the ball rolling, it's rolling faster and faster, but sometimes just getting the ball rolling is hard. But yeah. now that you have momentum, it's a lot easier. I guess what I wonder is that you had a day job before this? Uh-huh. You're in sales? Uh-huh. Have you hired it? So you hired the CSM. How'd you do that? She was internal. So she just rocked. Her name's Caitlin. 
But what do you mean she's internal? So like she was a a group member. So most of our hires are from like people that are actually within our community. And so she just was a rock star within there. And then she just started helping for free. And I was like, all right, let's find a role for you here. Like, you're amazing. And then she started taking over. And now she runs. She's basically my COO. She runs everything. Which is great. I guess you you know about hiring. I think the question, and we can break it down and, and go about strategies about it. But how come you haven't done it yet? Even though it sounds like something you're aware of. Because I, every single time that I try to do it, I am not good at building like the systems and models comma yet. That's good. That was good. But I'm learning. Okay. So I keep crashing and burning because I don't have the models down yet. What are these models you're talking about? Oh, like someone's examples of how they... Or 30, 60, 90. So I'll hire an executive assistant. I have no idea what the hell they're supposed to do. Right. (laughs) Or I'll hire a head of marketing. I'm like, okay, what the hell are they supposed to do? And like, I, I don't know. What's the number one role? Let's just pick one role. Like if you could hire, if you had an easy button, boom, and you had them, they're literally in that chair. What would be like, oh my God, this, this saved my life. This is the best person I have. Head of marketing to where they took over okay. everything. And so by the end of the year, when you say take over everything, by the end of the year, what's the success metric? What's the specific outcome? I want to be able to have this business operate without it being reliant on me posting content. Okay. But now let's get to an outcome. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. So in terms of the outcome, okay. does that mean like them? So how much content did you post in January? I do two videos a day. So 60, 60 videos, and then you could distribute that. And then five podcast episodes a week. And do you want them doing all the content? What part do you want them to do? Not necessarily. It's just like right now, like content's almost becoming like a necessity. Or if I stop po- posting content, the business does not exist. It won't exist. Because we don't have any cold traffic channels. And we can divert this too. This I don't know if this is really serving the audience also. And also I don't know. Maybe it's just me. For sure. Yeah. But we're going to get it anyways. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have any cold traffic channels. So it's all organic inbound. Because you're... And you're... So this is all hiring. A few things with hiring. Are you sure doing two videos a, a day, five days a week podcast, that's where you get all the customers from? Yes. And then you've at, you ask them, they're like, hey, I found your podcast. Yes. How'd they find your podcast? For me being on other podcasts. So you actually creating content may not be as helpful as you're saying. Yeah, me being on, if I didn't go on the other podcast. But the, you're doing your own podcast five days a week or how many times a week? Yeah, five days a week. You do your own show five days a week? Yeah. I do two, two interviews and then three solo shows. So every single day of the week you do a show? Yes. And then how many times a month are you going on other shows? I do two or three a week. Of other shows? Correct. Huh. And what do you want this marketing person to do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my two observations. Breaking my brain. No, you're doing great. You're doing excellent. Let's just zoom out on hiring. Okay. The easiest way for, to do every single hire ever is how much do I pay them? How much money do they make me? And I know that sounds very transactional and cold, but that is also we're in a business, not nonprofits. I understand that from a sales context, but when it comes to marketing and it's the same exact thing, marketing's that? identical. Yeah. So let's just take marketing. So let's say you pay someone $100,000. How much, what do you sell? So we sell an annual community. Like How membership. much is a community? Seven grand. Seven grand. So they need to sell, what is it, 13 of them? Was it about 13 of them to break even? So 12 is 84, 91, 14. Yeah. So if they can sell 14 extra ones a year, that kind of pays for themselves? Yeah. But then isn't that a function of sales, not marketing? Could be, there's all there's debate between those, but they could they not generate the lead specifically or generate the humans that could become customers specifically? Correct. 
and you're only doing you're only doing your own showing on other shows. So there's no other like the email marketing, maybe the social media, maybe ads, maybe affiliates. Nothing else is happening. No. Okay. The way I like to approach things, and just a few recommendations. One, Please. I would have yourself double check all the mark all the activities because you're busy, but you may not be effective. I can guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for yourself, what I would recommend got me sweating. No, you're doing excellent. We're we're figuring. Everyone here is figuring it the fuck out. I've yeah. done it a lot of times, and I'm still doing. I still run the company day to day. Make me nervous, man. <laughs> I think I would if I were you, personally, do whatever you want. But if I were you, I'd really evaluate. Hey, I'm doing five shows a week. How many shows a week are actually driving customers? Because really, if it's me getting on other shows, do that and then do one show a month or one show a week of yourself if you feel like you need to do it. What happens is they I go on other podcasts and then they become addicted to this podcast and then they start binging this podcast. And they'll listen to three or four hours a day of, of this one. Yeah. And then they'll after normally we've done customer research and then normally after four or five episodes, they're doing, booking an intro. And how many episodes do you already have outstanding? Oh, dude, 600. So you don't think they're going to find four or five in there? <sighs> Yes. Okay. So I think, and then, so again, I think for yourself, I would just measure efficiency versus effectiveness. Meaning efficiency is you're busy. Effectiveness means what's driving the buyers. Uh-huh. So if buyers are really coming because you're going to other shows, I would probably spend 10 times on other shows and do one show a week for yourself. Uh-huh. Just think of it. Just, I think if you just reflect on that you, over time, you might be like, holy shit, you might be right. Because that's bringing more people in. I have one episode a week. They're going to have a bomb episode. That gets them in the funnel. Something to think about. The the other thing I would consider is that as we're doing hiring, most people are putting so much pressure, and I've seen this so many times, it's very common. I hired one person, it didn't work out, I'm never hiring again, no one can ever do what I do. And I'm like, you're the only person on the planet, the only person that could ever do this? That's egotistical, if I've ever heard. But the reality is that all hiring is dating. And it's just like how you're trying to find a wife, you're not going to go marry the first person that you're going to see outside this building. You're going to have idea of what you want. And so I think we can talk about that, which is called your outcome. And then you're going to try people. And you try them for a month. You try them for two weeks. And if they're driving towards the outcome you want and give them a very clear outcome in their trial. So for marketing, what I would be interested in if I was hiring a marketer, if I was you, I would say, hey, I know the marketing that works for me is me getting on other shows. I need you to come in and get me on four shows. Here's a list of 60 that I think I'd like because that's what drives sales in my business. Let's see if you can do that by the end of the month. Great. They have a trial. It's very clear an outcome. Now, another way of considering for other businesses and marketing is, hey, at the end of the year, I need the marketer to drive $100,000 in sales or $100,000 in emails or whatever measurement that you can know will impact your business. Now, if you know it's 100,000 divided by 12, 8,300, okay, I need you to get me $8,300 in sales this month. That's your trial. And so you try people out. We, no one at AppSumo, almost no one starts as full-time. They start as a contractor or on a trial. Uh-huh. And then after that period, if it works, we test it. And if it works, now we invest it. Can you, yeah, test and invest is huge. That's in your book as well. Can you talk about your scoreboard system? Yeah, so every single person from the company, so it starts at your, this is more company organization. Your company has a yearly goal. AppSumo's is 56.6 million. Then you have priorities that should help you get to those goals. So for us, we have three priorities, new revenue, return revenue, plus revenue. Now we have an experimental one, which is like unknown, which is our long bet. Now each of those priorities need to add up to your goal. And then now those priorities each have projects across teams. And what I prefer to, the way I like to run our business, I don't know where where it's from, I just call it the AppSumo way. Each team department, so people team, operations team, technical team, revenue team, marketing team has three things only for the quarter. And when I meet with people, so I have it on my notes, let's pull up, I met with... I've heard this from 
multiple people now, so it's it's validated. Yeah, from like really smart people. I'm like, dude. Yeah. So as an example for people that are curious, Anna, who runs our people team, her top three Q1 2024 goals. And again, I just like it because this is the thing that when you were talking about your success of your marketing person, you're like, I just need to not do this stuff. That's not clear at all. You are correct. Which is okay. You're learning and you're getting better. This to me is clear. She need Anna and her team need to get the NPS, which is how we measure internally if people are happy at our at the jobs at Epsimo, mm-hmm. to 30. Net promoter. She needs to hire five roles and she needs to update based on team feedback the perks we have internally at the company. Every time I meet with her, I just start with her top three. And other stuff, I'm like, is this really impact your top three? If it's not, let's not talk about it necessarily, but let's make sure you're on track for these, number one. And that, that's been one of the best ways. Now, coming back to your company, one, Evaluate your time. Two, clarify the outcomes. Three, I would probably focus more on an assistant personally before I would go hire a, a director of marketing. I think the assistance is just like fundamental in your life. Uh-huh. It's like scheduling appointments. It's thinking about how you're spending your time. It's doing your calendar. It's returning things. It's buying things. It's like setting up literally the foundation of everything you do. And assistants are so cheap. You can get virtual assistants like squared away with double. Uh, I don't know if it's time doc. I found mine on HireMyMom.com. That's the site I've recommended. Sounds. Yeah, it's sounds, great. Sounds you fun. can use Care.com. Assistants are just fundamental, and it's literally the cheapest money you can ever spend. But it, it's also a thing that's going to, you have to practice using it. My girlfriend's new to assistants because she's traditional. She has a traditional job. She has two of them. She has uh-huh. two jobs. And we have an assistant now, and I think the assistant's 30 or 40 an hour. Oh, 40. She's 40, and she's going to get raised. And my sister's like, my girlfriend's, I could just drive myself to the store to pick up balloons yesterday for Valentine's Day. That sounds weirder than it was. I know I should get the balloons. Yeah. But she's, she wanted to help out. We had friends over. And I was like, baby, I know it's only 30 minutes to get balloons, but it's 30 minutes away. It's 15 minutes of waiting. It's traffic. It's the likelihood that you could get injured because you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then 20, 30 minutes back, it ended up taking her two hours. And so you start thinking, huh, I could have paid an assistant 80 bucks. And at home, I could sit on my ass. I think this is the thing that people miss out about being a millionaire. You can be a time millionaire for so much cheap, so much cheaper than you realize. You can sit on your ass. You can be working in a relationship. You can go to the gym. You can be doing whatever you want that you maybe enjoy. And or you can also make a fuck ton of money doing something else. Uh-huh. And I think it's a practice. Then you start getting high. You did the CSM. Great. Now let's work on another one. Great. And then you just keep working on that over time. And eventually you're like, holy shit, it's hard to almost ever go back. Uh-huh. But fundamentally, you look at the return on investment. I pay you 40. Man, I'm so much more free time Like my, because I have this person. And I think as you start doing it, you'll start seeing that return come in much more clearly the amount of time you have available and the amount of money you're actually making. Yeah, dude, I love that. Speaking of time, um, are you like good or you got anywhere to be? I'm good, yeah. Uh, sick. All right, guys, we're, we're good to extend if y'all want. Like, we got it. <laughs> I'm over here getting freaking coached. Um, sweet. So I actually want to talk about that right now. Um, so you have baby on the way. So this is going to be your first one, correct? Yeah. That you know of. And from Noah before where you're traveling and going around and like filming these YouTube videos and Monaco and going all around versus now going to be dad Noah. Yeah. What? So we just talked about all this like models and getting your time back. What's going to be different from you in your business? What changes are you making in your business to allow for that space? Yeah. It's nice. You you said something earlier in passing. I think it's really interesting is leave your business and see what happens. Yeah. And if you can't leave your business, that's a great opportunity. To figure out what's holding you back and literally just make a checklist of the things holding you back. Hey, if I don't do this, we go down. Okay, that's on the list. If I don't do this, and then literally you can just start marking those things off that list. And so I'm taking maternity for two months. 
and we'll see what doesn't happen. We are putting in business, you talk about models. So we now, when Absolute Bliss started, we, it was only guys. We didn't have health insurance. We didn't have someone pregnant in the company for 10 years. And now my partner has a kid. I'm about to have a kid. All these people are having kids in the company, which has been super cool. But now we have templates that, all right, who's replacing you? How did we train them? Are you, if you left today, are you, they ready? What's all the meetings you're in? So that's this full template now that we can use over and over again. Mm-hmm. So in terms of my own time, I'm excited for it. My biggest change is really just being present with my kid. So I'm starting now. How do I make sure at six o'clock I'm done? Mm. And it's really, for people that like work, that like money, that I like the dollar, it's really, it's hard. it's hard. And it also makes me prioritize better. If I'm coming over here, I have to drive 30 minutes to come here. I have to do this for an hour 15. I have to drive 30 back. I was like, okay, I'm going to do one this week. It's you. Or did I do someone? That, yeah, it's like you and another person this week. I was like, that's oh, special. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to make why? Because I looked at your show. I like that you were in Austin. I like that you were persistent. I was like, I'm going to do, it was your two this week. And I was like, I'm not doing more of this. But someone said this to me. It's every time you say yes to something else, you're saying no to your family. It was Justin Donald. And that's been a real thing I've been thinking a lot about. And the best part of being rich is that you can really actually control your time. When you have a day job, it is very hard to say no to a meeting. It is very hard. Unless you're in a company, I'd say AppSumo, where it's pretty flexible. But in most jobs, like my girlfriend, it's like you have to be there on the time. And that's the coolest part of not one of the best parts ever of being an entrepreneur. You can live however you'd like. I want to actually talk about another one of the perks, which is controlling your environment. And this is something that I want to hit on because you started like inadvertently like having a good environment with your high school and you talk a lot about it in your content and yeah. the book where you went to one of the top like and you were in the bay area so it's yeah. like you were by like apple Excellent. headquarters yeah so you were familiar with all these people succeeding and going and starting all these companies and then you were number 30 at facebook number one in our hearts number 30 at facebook number eight new york times no number, number three yeah number four on mint so it's just talk about the importance of environment and then maybe going from in the beginning, you can't as much control it when you're growing up. But now you say, oh, I've got control of my time. Even more importantly, you have control of your environment, which is why you came to Austin earlier before everybody else came to Austin. Then now and then now you're like half your time's in Barcelona, right? Spain. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I pick. I've been good at picking things ahead of others. Not that's something I've done, like Facebook, Mint, yeah, like AppSumo, Sumo.com, Austin, I think Spain. I'd say this, I don't know, this book was picked before others, but there wasn't a, a one business book for entrepreneurship. In terms of environment, I, I think that luck has radiuses. And just really look, evaluate your life. Look who you're around. And I think people say five. It's like, why not five in, instead of 20 or 50 or 500? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And there's a balance of that because I have friends who are now like, oh, if you're not driving, if you're not flying a private jet, you're a loser. Or if your company's not a billion dollars, like you're failing. And then I have other friends who are like, yeah, I make 5,000 bucks a month on this like one website I have and I, I love my life. Uh-huh. And so I think it's good to have different environments to, to different inputs around who you're surrounding yourself with. And if you don't have that, a lot of people will say, one of my, no, I don't have an audience like you. I started at Intel. What advantage do I have from Intel? <laughs> There's there, I, Facebook just came out. There wasn't Twitter. There was no YouTube. There's none of it, right? It was just meeting people that I thought were interesting, like Ramit, Sethi, or Tim Ferriss, or asking people. Literally, you can go today Ask, who is the most interesting person you know? Who is one person you think that I would benefit from meeting? You could ask someone in your network that today. And so that is changing your environment, also just changing your belief system. And meeting people that have different beliefs about how life can be, and you're like, it could be like that? And you're like, yeah. And then you get to decide based on your inputs and your own intellect, what actually is good for you. And you could test these things out. Test living in Spain, test living in Austin, 
test starting a business. Test be like, oh man, this is actually, I can do this and it's super cool. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that the, the other thing that I would say environment wise is how do you meet people early? So not just asking for referrals, but go and meeting someone like yourself where I'm like, if Brian sticks with this, I'm excited that I'll be a part of your journey and that I'll be able to like help you out. You'll be able to help me out because I'm meeting, I think early in your journey. Mm-hmm. And so for people out there, look who else around you is doing something a little bit, a little sparkle, a little bit of magic dust and go connect with them. A little salt bay. Yeah, a little salt bay on it. And I, I think you'll be surprised how that infects your, what you believe, what you think is possible and also where you can be in, in the world. I was in Spain. The reason I got to Spain and even found it is because a buddy of mine, Ian and Dan from Tropical MBA podcast, mm-hmm. they went there, Dan went there for cycling and they're like, yeah, you got to check it out, dude. It's cheap, beach, weather, like partying, like food, all of it. And so I was like, all right, I'll, try, I'll test it. Went there and I was like, yep, love it. And I found my girlfriend there. Now we're spending half the year there. Mm-hmm. I, I think, again, a lot of things in life, it's not zero or one, but you can try these things out in hiring in living in your businesses, see what actually works and then be able to double down on those things. I think what's funny in that the reason that people get hung up on this is they think in like binary thinking, which is, okay, I'm either doing this or I'm doing this, like A or B, black or white. But there's a lot of like gray nuance in between. Like for me, so I quit my job to travel, went to travel around the world. So I lived in Barcelona too. Nice. So that's why it was interesting. So yeah, you were talking on, on Tim's show about Barcelona and all around there. So we lived over oh, yeah. all the quarter. Yeah. So I know all about Barcelona and I'm just like, people are like, oh, I want to go travel around the world for a year, but I don't know if I want to do it for a year. Do it for a month. <laughs> do it for a month. If you hate it, go home. Yeah. Oh, I want to quit my job. I want to, I want to start my own business. Okay. If you hate it, you can just go get another job. And it's just funny because, and that's what I think you really did a good job of hitting on in the book. Dude, thank you so is, much. It's just like, you can just take that one step. And does have to, I think people, you know, there's a horrible thing in our culture about extremism. And all these people are very unsatisfied. I think they're very bad role models. We're like, hey, if you want to run a mile, run a hundred. Yeah. Hey, if you're not a billionaire, you're failing. Hey, if you don't quit and try <laughs> Who to Who going to carry the boats? <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, it's more, one, you don't need as much money as you think. That's why a million dollar weekend, I talk about the freedom number. You don't Correct. need as much money as you think to live a dope life. And it's not as scary as you think. It's actually a fun thing. And it's a cool thing. And you can actually get it going today. Huh. I've always done this thing in golf, or I've always done this thing in cooking, or I've always just done this thing in, in a service or in sales. Let me actually hit up a few people. Let me post maybe on Facebook. Let me text someone in a WhatsApp group. And then you start realizing it's not as scary as you think. You don't have to quit your job. And as you try these things out, you'll eventually find something that works. It's just inevitable if you follow the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned something before that I really liked, which is even when, like with me, or it's like you, you talk about in the book meet people five years before, like five years <laughs> early. And it was really interesting watching you because it's funny. So Alex Hermosi has this quote about like volume where he talks about like putting flyers out for launching a gym. And he's, ah, oh, put 300 flyers out. Like I did the thing. And then his uh, mentors, dude, like I don't even test less than 30,000. He's like, what are you talking about? So you're doing the right action, but you're yeah. not doing the volume. So it's been really interesting because I finished my book launch. It was the first time I've ever done it. And it's, I've got some connections, some community that I've built over my five years. Because like you said, I'm in the beginning stages. And then so I was watching you every single move that you were making. I was like, why is he doing this? Okay, cool. Why is he over here? Okay, when is he doing this? And I was watching you for every single thing. And so it's interesting because like you perfectly like showcased that where you were like number 75 on Tim's podcast. And then now you go back years later. And so these are relationships that you've been growing for decades. And then everybody else thinks, though, that I'm launching a book. I'm launching a business. I'm going to go ahead and get in these people's world as soon as you have an ask. 
Yeah, I think you can go help someone today more easier than you think. And people are, you know, they, they also try to start with big ones. I would start with the small one and just help someone out that's smaller. Hey, I really liked your material. Just send them a compliment. Or hey, I liked your material, so I wrote you a review. Hey, I, like literally, you could message any of us today, you or me. Mm-hmm. I bought your book. I left the review. Here's the link. And then you're, I will reply to you, promise you. You will reply to them, promise you. And then maybe a few weeks later, they're like, hey, I made this Instagram thing for you. Check it out. Oh, that's cool. And over time, that is exactly how you could build a relationship by, it sounds silly, but helping. Mm-hmm. I think we're too quick with our selfishness that we can't, it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to give what you want. But you also, it is true. You have to do help others to get what they want so you can get what you want. But we know these things. It's like scale. It's make something people want. We know all this shit, but it's really hard to actually do it. But that's the stuff that actually works. Yeah. And then you're hitting on me a little bit before, which was what was like causing me to get up, which is basically asking the question of what am I optimizing for? I love that question. And that's basically what you were saying in 30 different ways, hitting me from 30 different angles. And the answer was, I don't know. And I'm just now starting to figure that out. And a, a huge point of that ties into all what we're talking about. And then we'll close this out here in a second is I moved to Austin. I went traveled around the world, lived in Atlanta came back, relationship ended in like 2022. Every, like, everything just went wrong. Lost all my friendships and everything. And I was gone for eight months. And then all the friends that I had, because you have friends from before, but they don't grow with you. Yeah. And all of a sudden they start, you start hearing, you're like, oh, you know, you actually don't want what's best for me. Like you're actually hoping I fail, right? Yeah. We all run into that at some point. And so I come back and I was like, I've got nobody now. I'm going to move and like, I need to go do something. I need to change my environment to what we were talking about before. So I moved to Austin, Texas. It's literally a Friday, like five o'clock in the morning, packed up my car, literally drove to Austin, Texas from Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) It's like a country song. And so now the point is I moved to Austin to meet people, but now I've been building the business and I'm like, wait, hold on a second. I was optimizing moving to Austin to meet people. But what am I not doing? Meeting people. Yeah. And so if you're unclear of what you're optimizing for, you're just like running in circles. I love that question. And it's just, dude, and I just now was reminded of that. So that's why I'm like, dude, let me do these interviews in person. And I pushed on this. I was like, yo, let's do this in person. That was good. Like, let me go to more events. Let me go, because I haven't been. I've just been a slave to my own business. So I'm changing that. Don't, I love this quote from Ryan Panetta. Don't trade your nine to five for a five to nine. Don't trade this idea that you had a day job so you could be an entrepreneur to just work all the time. The whole point of working as an entrepreneur is you can create an even epic life. The other thing with businesses I think people don't realize is businesses are very parallel to children. Your business is still five years old. It's a little baby. It's a baby. Yeah. A lot of attention. And just being, it requires attention. But as it gets older and as you also get support, kids go to school. Kids go to a doctor. Kids get support around them. It's the same thing in a business. You get maybe mentors, someone who's done these businesses before. Maybe you get a marketing person, then you get your assistant, then you get your CSM and you're like, and it's the same time. It takes time for success. And people, including myself, are very impatient. And impatience is good. What? I, I, and I think <laughs> you're impatient. I literally wrote a book about how to get rich in a weekend or how to start being rich in a weekend. Because the reality is it's possible. It's possible. But being patient, once you find something working, being patient to let it succeed. Oh, yeah. And then... Another thing that Alex said, and I've heard a lot, is you get success, you build the thing, you validate the product market fit, and then the scale part is just doing more of that thing, and you become bored. So then you start throwing hand grenades into it to make yourself feel alive again and start new businesses and start all this. And I just interviewed Dan Martell last week, and he was talking about that. He's okay, cool. Get to your first one to three million. He's, man, it's just scale. What you're doing, you're doing good. Do more of that. 
And it's like, oh, but that's boring. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of advice everyone knows, but no one does. Mm. Most. <laughs> awesome. Dude, let me get you out of here. Where can people find out more about you? Where can they get the book? Yeah, milliondollarweekend.com. Read it. Let me know how you change your own life in 48 hours. And then you could follow me at Noah Kagan everywhere. But Beautiful. Get the book. It's bright green. He, he put <laughs> Facebook ads to test it. Guys, it's an amazing book. Noah, appreciate you coming on, brother. Thank you, man. Thanks, buddy. But that's been Noah Brown with The Action Academy Podcast, baby.